It's Pride Month in 2022. It's Pride Month in 2022. And there's so many things going on right now. And it makes it difficult to both feel proud and to express that in a way that doesn't feel threatened. A lot has been going on. Let's talk about it on today's episode of Project Shadow. Hello, everyone. How are you doing today? My name is Charlie. I am a non-binary sci-fi fantasy writer, and I would like to talk to you today about having pride in 2022. And that might seem like an easy topic. That might seem like something that I've talked about before. And in some ways, I guess I have. But this year, pride feels different for me. This year, pride doesn't have the same luster that it did in the past. And I'm quite sure I know why. I'm quite sure I know exactly what has taken that sheen off of pride for me. I could go through and start listing all of the troubles. There's so many. All of the anti-transgender kids bills that are being passed around the country that don't say gay bill in Florida. So many things. But on the other hand, there are things that I should feel pride about. My little town is having a pride parade. We're having a whole pride fest this month. And we've never really done that before. We've tried, but nothing really came from it. People didn't really show up. There weren't that many of us there. It was a struggle. And I'm hoping things go better this year because we need them to go better this year. We need things to go better. I watched Vera Wilde this morning on Council of Geeks talking about the BBC and their uh, whitewashing of their transphobia. And again, I found myself in this place of, do I talk much about pride? Do I do that? Because there's part of me that just doesn't want to do it, that just doesn't want to take the energy and the psychic labor to go out there again for another year, for another time to justify my existence, to explain to people why I am here, why I am proud, why I have pride, what pride means to me. And it's really hard this year because we're doing the second annual Pride and Prejudice Anthology. And I'm really excited about that. And you can go to my YouTube channel and check out the announcement link for that if you would like to submit a story. Submissions are open until June 26th, so you have time to get us a story for that. And the last one went over so well. It was amazing having all these people come together to tell stories. And to tell such amazing stories, some of which have just haunted my imagination in ways that I'm really not used to because they're not even in genres that I particularly pay that much attention to. But these were our stories, 
our voices coming together in pride, coming together with that sense of determination that you have to have as a queer person in the United States, anywhere else, to stand up and make yourself heard, to make yourself counted, to make yourself space in a world, in a country, in a town, in a market that doesn't see your validity, that doesn't see a reason for your inclusion, that sees you only as a representation token that they can spend to get some good PR. It's tricky, isn't it? Trying to figure out exactly what we're going to do. It's tricky having the strength, having the courage to pick ourselves up all the time, to get ourselves into a place where we have the strength to move forward, where we have the strength to push on when so often we just don't feel the drive. We don't feel like we have the energy to do all of the things that we need to do. Because that's really what this tactic is about. That's really what this assault on us is about. It's here to wear us down, to make us give up, to make us give in to the darkness and to the ennui that is always lurking just on the corners of our minds, just on the corners of our imagination where it can drag us into the shadows from which we may never return. And that's in fact what they want. They want us to go away. No, they don't. They really don't. This is where we have to start being honest about why our detractors, why those who have bad things to say about us say the bad things that they say about us. We're an ego trip for them. We're there to help justify their identity. We are there to justify their broken culture. We're there to prove to them that they are, in fact, superior. When of course we know that they're not. We know that they only care about us for what we can do for them. And whether that's the stereotypical things, that we get cast for in movies. The gay best friend, the hairdresser, that person that's willing to go shopping with you and help you pick out all the fabulous clothes, those parts that we get. Or we're there for pathos so that they can feel their superiority by watching us suffer, whether we're being beaten to death for the courage of standing up for who we are. dying slowly of disease or entering toxic relationships on the top of a mountain because uh, closet something bad forbidden love blah 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 that's what we're here for we're here to stroke their egos that's why they talk about us so much they don't have to answer the question that we ask all the time are the straights okay are the cis okay they don't have to answer those questions if all they do is talk about well those questions are moot because the people who are asking them are not okay the people who we would be opposed to are just wrong in every possible way. You see, you don't have to justify whether or not 
the systems of patriarchal oppression that exist in our society are justified if there's not another model. We don't have to talk about whether or not gender roles are something that should be enforced on men and women. If there are only men and women, they're obviously different. And let me justify this through enforcing this gender roles again. Oh, amazing how that works. Amazing how that all just fits together with a tidy little bow. And you know what? I'm tired of playing their game. Yes, I, I could argue against them for the five millionth time. I could tell you all the reasons they're wrong. But that's not actually fixing anything. It's just perpetuating the problem. It's being there to be the people they need us to be so that they can justify their own heady little lives at our expenses. They can talk about our children or who we are as children instead of their own kids. No. I'm not really here for them anymore. I'm here for us. Those sound like fighting words, don't they? Mm, they kind of are. They really are. We, we have lost the spirit that pride was meant to have. See, we talk about gay rights now, and yes, it's important to have rights, and sometimes we even use big umbrella terms and say queer rights or LGBTQ plus rights. But really what we're after is queer liberation. And liberation is different from rights. Liberation is different from being accepted or being tolerated or any of the other things that the cis straight passing people who founded such horrible groups as the HRC put forward as uh, things we should actually aspire towards. Oh, and do I have problems with the HRC? Well, they gave uh, quite a few... Uh, mm, I'm not even going to go into it. I'm not going to go into it. I don't have the energy. I don't have the energy to go after our own right now. Even when they deserve it. Even when they deserve it. Because... Infighting gets us nowhere. Infighting does not bring us to any of the places that we need to be as a people, as a community. And this is very important for us to understand. Larry Kramer used to say it all the time. We need to think of ourselves as a community, as a people. We are a people. Lesbians are our sisters. Gay men are our brothers. Trans people are our people. Non-binary people are our siblings. Ace and arrow people are our siblings. Intersexed people are our siblings. We have to come together. We have to realize this. Because this is the wedge that they're trying to put in between us right now. Have you noticed how Bill Maher and all of these other woke comedians, as they like to think of themselves, are talking about, isn't it funny how gay men, blah, 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 blah. Or isn't it funny how lesbians, blah, 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 blah. And what is the 
punchline of all of these jokes? Something, something, the one joke trans are bad, okay? Because if they can drive a wedge between the trans community and the lesbian, gay, bisexual community, oh, what a victory that gives them. Because once you separate gender issues from issues of sexuality, then we lose our main tool for liberation. You see, queer liberation and women's liberation is the same cause. The reason they don't like us is not because of who we love, it's not because of how we love, it's not because of who we are or how we dress. Oh wait, no, it is that last one. Because you see, this whole project is here to support and sustain the patriarchal oppression of women. And anything that puts a crack in those very detailed prescribed gender roles is a danger to the patriarchy. It's a danger to that overriding system that wants to control and to continue its control. If someone who is assigned male at birth can transition into being a female and someone assigned female at birth can transition into being a male, then what do these words even mean? They cry out. And oh, do they cry out. Because see, that's the real problem. What do these words even mean? What do they mean? say male, female, do these words actually mean anything? Hopefully you're starting to see where I'm coming from here. Hopefully you're starting to see this insidious part of the opposition's argument against us. See, a man is born with XY chromosomes, except for when they're not, which they often are, and they're fathers, except for when they're not, because often they're not. And women, of course, have XX chromosomes, except for when they don't. And they're mothers, except for when they're not, or when they can't be, or when they're too young to be, or too old to be. And Wait, these definitions that are being put forward, these definitions that are being proffered by the other side, don't actually fit cis people at all. So, of course, they just attack being called cis, because they don't understand basic grammar. Cis is the opposite of trans. Trans means to go across, where cis means to stay on the same side. So if you were assigned male at birth and you identify as male, then you are cisgendered. You are a cis male. If you were assigned male at birth and you identify as female or as non-binary like I do, then you are trans because you moved from that assignment that you were given at birth into something else. But oh, they hate that word assigned, don't they? See, gender isn't assigned. It's granted to you. It's endemic. It's part of your genes, don't you know? If you have the right genitalia, you fit into the right category. Again, except when you don't. See, none of these terms actually fit 100% of the population. And this is the problem with defining gender. 
Now, I'm not a complete gender abolitionist, and though I do identify as a gender a lot more than I do anything else half the time. Yes, that was intentionally meant to be oxymoronical, because anyone who listens to this who's on the other side, I want to make their heads pop a couple times. But yes, I, I do often identify as a gender, though most of the time I identify as demigirl. We've talked about this in the past. You can see the past episodes about this if you're interested. But see, neither one of those are terms that are even on their list of acceptable genders. See, I'm not saying that I'm male. I'm not saying that I'm female. I'm saying that I'm non-binary. I'm, I'm a demigirl, which means I'm not quite a girl. I'm somewhere on the spectrum that way, from agender over, but I'm not all the way to femme, and they need me to pick a side. They need you to pick a side. They need us to pick a side. If we don't pick a side, then how are they going to know what category to put us in? It's very important for their modus operandi, for their way of thinking, to be able to classify us in these two neat boxes, male, female, male, hunter, gatherer, goes out into the world to fight evil, to be strong, to get into fistfights, to drink the beer, to avoid any fruity cocktails and anything that might have an umbrella in it. They wear pants and are strong. Women, on the other hand, are different. They're demure and like flowers and pink. And of course, all the fruity cocktails and they don't drink the beer. They like the wine. And they like chew wine, of course, because, you know, we hate our wives, don't we? They need the boxes. Because without the boxes, they cannot continue the system of oppression. And I keep using that term. But that is what we have now. This idea of what makes a man, what makes a woman, is enforced on people before they're born with gender reveals. They look voyeuristically at the genitalia of their unborn children still in the womb so that they can start to classify them and, of course, buy all of the coded clothing appropriate to the gender that they are assigning to this child without asking what gender the child actually identifies as or wants to be. Now, I'm one of those people that believes in a very broad gender spectrum. And this is where I think we need to start bringing more cis people into the argument. Tomboys are on the gender spectrum. They identify as female, yes, so they are a cisgender gender. But there's a difference between being an AFAB tomboy and being an AFAB femme, somebody who likes the makeup and stuff. There are different genders, even on the cis side of things. We have words for them, and some of them are beautiful and sweet. We have our soft boys. We have our brutes. We've got the dudes. All of which are very codified gender expressions. All of which are genders that exist on the cis side. And those are also a threat 
Please pay attention to this. It's very important. The same people that are against trans folk are the same people that are against butch women, against tomboys, against men that are too feminine. They're against metrosexuals because that's just too soft for them. Real men have dirty hands, don't you know? Do they? Do they have to? Why is this endemic? And they don't ever ask the question of how do the genes that you're born with determine whether or not you like skirts or kilts? Whether you like pants or skirts? Whether you like suits or dresses? How is this encoded in your genes? Because they seem to believe that is coded in their genes, right? Because if gender is natural, if gender arises from the natural order of things and you are born your gender, then somehow, deep down inside your genetic structure has to be something that says, oh, I have a Y chromosome, ergo, I want pockets. Oh no, I have XX chromosomes, I must not have pockets, and I need to have my buttons on the wrong side so that it's harder for me to dress myself because, well, let's be honest, the reality is, back in the day, women were dressed by servants, especially women that could afford to go buy purchased clothing, so the buttons were placed so that they were easier for the servants to do. Mmm. Ah, it's starting to make sense now, isn't it? These are not encoded in our genes. These are not encoded into our existence, into our being. These are not things endemic to the species. But if we do not accept them as such, then the systems of power and authority that they have set up for themselves that say straight cis men should always be at the top of every corporation because after all, it's endemic to men to lead and women to follow. See, you can't question that. that. That's a step too far. And if you start questioning whether or not it's possible to transition as trans people do, or to exist somewhere in the spooky haze like non-binary people like me do, then aren't you more apt to question why there are only straight males in charge of things? Why you're only ever given this a straight male to vote for? Why your boss is almost always a straight male? So you might start asking questions, and those questions are dangerous. Those questions have to be stopped. We can't have people wondering if they should be in power, because that would then take away from cis white power. Oh, oh no. Did I add another word in? If you've been listening to this podcast for any period of time, you knew racism was going to come into here somewhere. But yes, it's included in this. Because the same assumptions that are applied to gender roles and enforced in society for people of variant gender be they male or female, are as constructed socially as our concepts of race. That all black people fill in the blank, all Asians fill in the blank, all any ethnic group that you can think of fill in stereotype here. 
And if you listen to the people that are adamant at arguing about us, take Ben Shapiro, for example. Ben likes to talk a lot about how grotesque it is for us to be queer and for us to be trans and how he would never use our proper pronouns and would never do anything to even hint at the idea that he might approve of or respect our relationships. And he also talks a lot about how all Asians are academically gifted and smart and black people are dumb and criminal. Yeah, he does that a lot. There's part of me that feels like he knows that he does this, but there's also part of me that wonders if it's just unconscious because he's given into the system that needs to reinforce all of these cultural constructs to keep and maintain its power. He is, after all, one of the mouthpieces of this authoritarian patriarchy that is desperate to keep control. So he says things that are quite racist and sexist and homophobic and transphobic all together, mixed all together into one toxic broth that he spoon-feeds to his audience. And that's really what this is all about. You have to accept gender. Because if gender is a social construct, you might inadvertently realize that race is a social construct as well, and that when we racialize people, we are applying stereotypes to them that they may or may not actually live up to. And because none of us actually conform 100% to the stereotypes that we are assigned, it allows us to say, who are the good people and the bad people in each group? And no, not necessarily even because they live up to the standards that we apply and the stereotypes that we lay down, but because of their relationship to whiteness, to cisness, to straightness. As long as you are living up to those standards, they don't have a problem with you. Which is why they have a problem with Lizzo, with Megan Thee Stallion, with Nicki Minaj, with any of the people that would dare say, oh, I'm a woman and I enjoy myself in the bedroom. Oh no, you can't enjoy yourself in the bedroom. You see, the bedroom is not for you. See, cis straight men enjoy sex. Everyone else is there to be used by them. And thus, they're not meant to care if the other people enjoy it or not. And so they push the binary. And they fight and they argue so that they can maintain the power and the systems of control that keep them where they want to be. And that's really what all this is about. And it's important for us to remember that every time they try to divide us. Because I'm just not having it anymore. I can talk about how I want to debunk all of the conspiracy theories that they are putting out about us. But I think it's much more valuable for us to talk about all those things they don't want us talking about. All the things that they are doing this for. Happy Pride Month. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please share it so that the podcast can grow. Check out all the stuff that I'm doing. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm C. Dorset on both. I'm also C. Dorset over on YouTube and Twitch. 
where I stream quite often and do videos and the like. I've got a lot of stuff coming out, and I hope you like it. Until next time, always remember, Black Lives Matter, Black Trans Lives Matter, and trans identities are magical. Bye. Thank you.